The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show exclusive to the Blaze, where you come for the accent, but you stay for the principles. We have a jam-packed show for you today, and I want to get straight in right into it. I came across an article that we need to discuss um, because if this becomes mainstream taught in America, in conservatism, in libertarian circles, it needs to be addressed rather quickly. It's an article on The Federalist. It's by Jesse Kelly. You might have come across it already. It's called, the T- It's Time for the United States to Divorce Before Things Get Dangerous. I want to read some of the some of the article to you, and then I want to address it point by point why it's so important. Because this needs to be addressed. Because one, it actually represents in a principled way a lot of thinking today in 2018 by both sides. But two, I don't know whether Jesse realizes I, I've never come across his writing before. But he actually, in this article, without knowing it, explains exactly why America is exceptional, and it's what I want to talk to you about. So he goes on the. Starts off his article by the typical, every part of the uh, Declaration of Independence everyone knows about. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with one another. So that's the way he starts his article. The Declaration of Independence, July 4th, 1776. His article then starts, Divorce is hard, but it's easier than cutting the brake lines on your wife's car. What a wonderful way to start an article. Nothing in... Nothing makes me happier than when people on the right, quote-unquote, you know, mock and joke about killing someone or causing major harm. It always warms the cockles of my heart because, you know, we're all pro-life, but, you know, we can divorce her or we can cut your wife, break your wife's car. Wonderful. It's long past time for an amical divorce of the United States of America. There's simply no common ground with the left anymore. We are now the couple screaming at each other all night every day as the kids hide in their room. We cannot come together. But we do not have to live like this. The history of the world is nations breaking up and redrawing their borders. If we want to avoid this political divide turning into a deadly one, we should do likewise. Stop clinging to the past and acknowledge where we are as a country. Not where you want us to be. Not where things have been when your grandpa was storming the beach in Normandy. No, where we truly are. We are as a nation hopelessly divided. We are more divided now than we have ever been in our history. Before you start screaming about the Civil War, keep in mind that this bloody conflict was fought over one major issue. In those days, you could take 10 families from New York and 10 families from Alabama and put them all in a room and you'd find they mostly had the same values. Now fast forward to today and do the same thing. Those families have virtually nothing in common. We are a nation, have, as a nation, have polarized and separate, uh, separated from each other. 
Anyone who thinks this is a radical idea has an extremely narrow view of history. If you don't believe me, go try and book a plane ticket to Czechoslovakia or look at a map from Europe from the year 1600 and then at one today. See the d- any differences? Borders move. Countries split and change hands. They do this for a myriad of reasons. He then goes on to talk about the South Carolina, which we'll talk about in a few minutes as well, where they introduced a bill to allow the state to secede. It's an interesting point which needs to be addressed. We'll come back to that in one second. The GOP has many problems, but the Democratic Party has turned into something completely un-American. The United States was founded on two things, Judeo-Christian values and a limited federal government. The entire platform of modern Democrats stands completely opposed to both of those. This is the party that booed the very mention of the word God at their 2016 convention. Um, he then continues about, you know, 1960 liberal where they just wanted free weed and an end to the Vietnam War and how they've been replaced. Um, if you believe in God and limited government, here are the entities that now proclaim their haters of you in full view of the public. The Democratic Party, the media, Hollywood, public education system, and now even corporate America. Um he then goes and he basically makes a suggestion that the way you would break up America is into two places. And the map is, so the map starts at uh, just above North Carolina. So it would go from North Carolina across to Tennessee, then up to Missouri and Iowa, then across to Nebraska, um, uh, to cross to Colorado, to Utah, and then to Arizona. And then all the states in the middle will be kept. In this map, there's some states that are very interesting, which, you know, his his seems to be just based on geography. There's certain states that are left out that are traditionally kind of conservative. You know, Kentucky, North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana. So his map is very interesting, but he's just saying this is his map. You know, you can have your own, you can, you can draw up your own map if you want. So obviously the West Coast and the East Coast are the, the different America, the left-wing America. Um. They talk about illegal immigrants. He blames the left. He talks about, you know, they, they want to open sanctuary cities and and um, on gun control. They want to take the rights of every American. Every issue plays out the same way. Nobody is expected, uh, I'll continue, nobody is expected to cheer for this, but cheering is not a normal reaction when couples get a divorce. We cheer for old people getting married or celebrating their 50th winter wedding anniversary. But life is imperfect. Life is hard. We both now have to agree that living under the other side's value system is wholly unacceptable. The most peaceful solution we Americans can hope for now is to go our separate ways. So let us come together one last time and agree on one thing. Irreconcilable differences. This is an article, I'll link to it in the the show notes. I want to talk about this, because if this becomes mainstream thought, I'm not telling you whether you should be pro-division or not. I'm not going to tell you whether you should break up America or not. But I think it's important, since he starts off his article talking about the Declaration of Independence, to actually address the Declaration of Independence. So here's the problem with this article, in my eyes, and why it's so reminiscent of conversations in 2018 on all sides. All sides love to talk about their rights. Everyone loves to talk about their rights. Now, whether they're rights from nature, whether they're from nature's God, whether they're constitution rights, or just rights you just made up. Everyone loves to talk about their rights. Let me give you some examples. If I go to my conservative friends right now, they're very concerned about the Second Amendment. They have a right to bear arms. They're rightfully concerned about that. You know, if I go to some of my friends on the left, they'll talk about, well, we have a you know, right to vote. 
even though that's not an issue and it's not up for discussion, they think people, because of people like Joe Biden going around telling people Republicans don't want black people to vote and don't want middle class people to vote, they might say we have a right to contraception. Everyone loves talking about their rights. Everyone can talk about their rights, whether they are actually something tangible or not. I have a right to free speech. We all talk about our rights. America's Declaration of Independence is exceptional because not once but twice your founders do something that not many other countries do, especially in their founding documents. They don't just talk about your rights. They talk about your responsibilities. So it's easy to quote the Declaration of Independence right at the start and say, when in the course of human events it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bonds which have connected them with one another, and to assume among the powers of the earth to separate an equal station to which these laws of nature and nature's God entitle them. It's easy to quote that. It's right there, it's right at the start. You just have to read the first paragraph and kind of go, well, we're not one people anymore. We don't have our unum anymore. We have irreconcilable differences. We need to break up. Here's the thing, though. If you actually go to the second paragraph and actually read what the founders said. Second paragraph, not once but twice, responsibilities. Whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these needs, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it. Well, that's what he just said, right? That's, 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 That's what the guy just said. That's, that's, that's what the founders said, right? Yeah, except they didn't put a full stop there. They just didn't say, it's the right of the people to alter or abolish and just go, let's go home, guys. That's us. That's us done. No, it says, you have a responsibility to institute new government, laying its foundations on such principles and organizing its power in such form as to them shall seem most organizing. Then it goes on to continue later on, a couple of sentences later. But when a long train of abuses and uprations, presuming invariably the same object, evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government. Except they didn't put a full stop there either. They put a comma. And to provide new guards for their future security. You see, we can talk about our rights all day long. Here's the problem. If you don't talk about rights and responsibilities, you're leaving a vacuum. Because rights, this world of I have all these rights and zero responsibilities does not work. This is nature's law. You have to have rights and responsibilities. Now, you may have a system where, let's just use an example, kids. Kids love talking about their rights, you know, if they're under 18. But they have zero responsibilities. Why? It's not like their responsibilities just go out the window. That they just don't exist. It's not like, hey, I have all these rights and, you know, at 18 or at 21 or at 26, whenever you think a child becomes an adult, that these responsibilities just go, whoo, hey, I'm here now. No, they're always there, except they're picked up the slack by their parents because they're kids. They're growing. They're maturing. They don't know about their responsibilities to society. You have rights and responsibilities. If you ignore and you only focus on rights and you ignore the responsibilities, they don't go away. They are always there. Except what happens is someone else must pick up the slack. Now, when you look through history, you will understand that usually who picks up the slack is government. Government picks up the slack and then it becomes the norm for government to do these things. That is how statism exists. That is how statism grows. 
That is how statism flourishes, where you have people so self-centered on their rights, they just ignore their responsibilities, that the state just goes, and I'll take all their responsibilities. And then before you look, you're like, well, the state is doing too much. It's encroaching on my liberties. Yes, why? Because you did not look after your responsibilities. We have to have a serious conversation. The second thing I have a problem with this article is, it's so typical of modern day thought. And it's frustrating for me. It's so typical. It always looks, it makes the case against the left. It makes the case against the left of how they're dreadfully bad. How they don't have respect for the rights for the Second Amendment, which they don't. How they just want to create sanctuary cities. And how they've changed and how they've become more extreme. Now, in this article, he says, you know, it's time for people to unite under Judeo-Christian values and limited government. Is the Republican Party that platform you want to unite under? Look, I'm now a fan of the Democrats. I have 0% in common with them, and that's I would say that's a push. I, don't, I can't remember the last time I stood with a Democrat on an issue. But we can keep going around saying the left, the left, the left suck, the left this, the left are extreme. It's all true, but you are not having a complete sentence. You're not painting a full picture. The right, the GOP, are just as bad. You're limited government. When was the GOP limited government? I know that when it comes to an election, which you're going to start seeing now in the next couple of weeks and months, you're going to see all these Republicans in your district go, I'm conservative. I'm for limited government. Yet, they never ever seem to meet a part of the budget or a part of government that goes, you know what, this actually isn't under Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution. Maybe we should say no to this. When was the last time any Republican, conservative, libertarian, or Republican, or moderate, or hawk, actually said that? You have irreconcilable differences. You have major differences right now in America, and they're all political. But when was the last time you actually had a conversation about principles? And I'm talking about mainstream. When was the last time the principle of, I don't know, freedom of religion was actually discussed without it becoming political? Because this idea of freedom of religion is freedom for everyone. The idea of freedom of religion isn't going, well, you know, that's all for you Catholics and Protestants, you know, for freedom. It's for everyone. The freedom of religion is for everyone. It is a right. Yes, it's for you as well, atheists and deists. It is a freedom from state-run religion where a state comes in, and like Iran or other places, and they go, you must conform to this religion. You must be this. Whether that's Catholic, Protestant, Muslim, Jewish, you must be this. Freedom of religion is freedom of state-run religion. It protects everyone. But when was the last time you actually heard this being discussed? When was the last time a left person actually trilled the line while you just want to have state-run religion and separation of church and state? And someone actually explained to them that, you know that freedom of religion clause? That protects you atheists as well. Actually, in, in some ways, that protects you atheists more than it does us Christians. Because, you know, it presumably... Now, I know a lot of Christians including myself, would be the first uprise. But if a Christianity religion, like Catholics or Protestants or Baptists, came in and took power, well, you know, we'd have some chance because, hey, we're all Christians, right? But it protects you more. It's for everyone. 
These are rights not just for religious people or non-religious people or deists. They're for everyone. When was the last time we had a conversation about the right to petition your government? Heck, here's an idea. When was the last time we actually had an honest discussion about the Fourth Amendment? The right to be secure in your persons and your papers. By the way, it's a Republican Party that has destroyed that. And continues to destroy it to this day. We can act about how dreadful the left are. And we can have that conversation, which we do. But until we start actually having a conversation about our side. Then we need to have, that's the conversation we need to start having on our side. And how great we are. Or actually in this case, how much we suck. And when I say we suck, I mean the people who represent you. But here's the thing. I don't know whether Jesse knows this from his article. But his article is so reminiscent of world history. His article is so reminiscent of world history. And it goes against everything America stood for. And why America is exceptional. You see, in this article, and I read most of it out to you. He lays the case of why you should have separation. He says the left suck and, you know, you don't have any common ground. He tells you everything, every reason, or maybe some of the reasons, why you should separate. That's the history of the world. That is the history of every nation pretty much forming in the history of the world. We have an issue. We have a difference of opinion. We'll separate or we'll fight a revolution to separate. And then when we separate, then we'll form our new nation. We'll sit down and have a conversation about what we are for. He's right about, you know, if you look at a map of Europe in 1600 and look at it today, how different it is. What he is saying and the way he wants people to act in this article is the way Europe acted. America was different. You see, let me go back again to the Declaration of Independence. One of the reasons America was exceptional, one of the reasons America was different is because before you even fought a revolution, a lot of this stuff has been preached from your pulpit. You know, your founders just didn't sit down when they you know, we're going to write the Declaration of Independence. And then, you know, like they do today, they poll test words or make things seem popular or go, you know, let's have a poll around the people and see what's popular. You know, let's, you know, let's make sure we hit on the popular points to get, you know, to get support for our bill. A lot of what they said was preached from a pulpit five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years prior to the revolution. But what makes your revolution so exceptional, why your founders were so much different to every other nation is, because while every other nation goes, hey, I don't, let's just use Britain as an example, because Britain was the empire, and it's relevant for America. Hey, I don't like the king. I don't like this king. This king sucks. Everyone can tell you that. Everyone can tell you what they are against. You go out into the street, no matter what state you're listening to me in, or even if you're not in America and you're listening, go out into the street, stop a complete stranger, and ask them, hey, what do you not like about this world? And you will get a myriad of answers. Especially in 2018. You might get, hey, I don't like Donald Trump. Donald Trump sucks. Hey, that James Comey, he's a slimeball. I don't like government. I don't like taxes. I don't like Republicans. I don't like conservatives. I don't like God. I don't like drugs everyone has an opinion i don't like the sun i don't like the rain everyone will tell you what they are against or what they don't like that is the easiest thing to do it is easy a two-year-old child i'll even go younger a six-month-old baby can tell you what it doesn't like 
It will scream and bawl its eyes out and communicate to you, I'm not happy. I might, I need my diaper changed. I need my dody. I need food. It will tell you what it does not like. The difference between that six-month-old baby, the difference between America and every other nation is before you tell me your differences, tell me what you are for. What grounds will you build this new country on? That's exactly what America did. America, in the Declaration of Independence, it said, I have a lot of issues with the king. In fact, I have about 27 of them. But before, before, before I tell you my differences, right in the second paragraph, before you, if you read the Declaration of Independence, before you get to the point of, well, what do we not like the king about? What, what's our issues with the king? I want to see if I support the American Revolution or not. The founder said, now, before I get to that, before I tell you what our differences are, let me tell you what I am for. In the second paragraph, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their powers from the consent of the government. It's not government's job to give you these rights, it's government's job to secure these rights. Your founders were telling you they are for all men being created equal. A phrase that today is still revolutionary because no one seems to want to believe all men are created equal. We have this system. We have this class system. We have certain races better than each other. We have certain sexes better than the other sex. We are not promoting all men being created equal. Your founders did. We're not for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Your founders were such great men. They told you what they are for. In fact, you have to scroll down about, what, three, four, four, five hundred words before he gets to the 27 usurpations against the king. He has refused his assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance. You can go on and read the Declaration of Independence if you want to and read all the others. But before the people in the time said, you know what, I, I wonder, you know, I know we're fighting against the British and I know we're declaring our independence, but I wonder what we're for. I'm going to read it and see, make up my mind, am I for separation or am I for to stay with Britain? It's easy to tell you what you're against. It's hard to tell you what you are for. And that is why your founders, from day one, you're exceptional. You told the world what you are for before, before what you're against. In this article by Jesse Kelly, it's time for the United States to divorce before things get serious. He doesn't tell me one thing he is for. He's just telling me what he's against. If this becomes mainstream talk, and I'm not going to, it's not my job and it's not my responsibility to tell America what to do. That's, the, that's your job as American citizens. If you truly believe it's time for a divorce, well then, let me say this to you. If you truly believe it's time for the divorce and you think, you know why well, he might be have something on, and you really truly believe that, here's my challenge to you. I'm going to give you a challenge. Sit down and tell me what you're for. Sit down and make a case of why you should separate and what your new country is going to be like, what it is going to stand for. Because if you don't, you will just be like every other revolution in the history of the world. And for America to follow the rest of the world is something I find tragic. If you want to truly divide from America and you believe that, follow the history of your founders. If you think, if you're sitting here listening to me and you think you can make better 
a version of than what the founders did, then take what the founders did and improve upon it. But don't just sit here and go, oh, the left suck. The left are just dreadful. The left, the left, the left. Anyone can tell you what they're against. Left, right, top, bottom, young, old, gay, straight, black, white. We're all great at telling you what we're against. Tell me what you're for. To those who don't want a divorce, my challenge to you is the same. If you truly believe you can save things, start finding your unum. Start finding what unites you. Start making the case for principles once again. Because regardless of whether you want to stay or whether you want to go your own separate ways, my hope for both countries or one country, would that be you'd still continue to be exceptional? That you'd still continue to follow the vision of your founders and complete their journey? Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network. Stupid internet stuff. Click here for free. Oh, I got a virus. Smart internet stuff. He has murdered his own people. He tortures people. He rapes women. And he has threatened us with nuclear weapons repeatedly. He has broken international law and sanctions against him. They got along great. They hit it off. He got along well. I don't want you to get along well. What are your friends now? Your besties? He's a dictator. The Morning Blaze with Doc Thompson. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom's Disciple on Demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I want to share two stories with you that are very important. And it's about a principle of free speech. You know, when you are for principles and you're not political and you're not on on a side, you're truly for principles, you're going to find yourself like I'm going to find myself for the next few minutes going, do I really have to defend these people? Do I really? If you heard this week the news, which I'm sure you heard, it was big news, Barbara Bush former first lady passed away and we as a show send out our condolences to the Bush family you know I've I don't have any uh, stories to tell of Barbara Bush I don't have any don't actually have too many memories of her if I'm being honest I just know from people who have met them and, and people I know who I trust have met them and have been around them they seem like a really decent family I don't think I agree with any issue on Barbara Bush. Actually, that's not true. I know I agree on her opinion on literacy. But, you know, political issues on on the size of government, on the scope of government, if I have anything in common, it's very little with all the Bush family. But you don't have to have any agreements with people and the way they see government for them to be good people. Everything I've heard, they seem like a very decent, morally decent, good family who try their best, who honestly try and and serve other people. Who, and if I could give credit to both 
um, Bush 41 and Bush 43 on one thing, it would be this. That after they served, they pretty much tried their best to leave the spotlight. Especially Bush 43. You know, I would say Obama has been in the news more in the last 15, 16 months than Bush has in the last nine years. And that's to his credit. That's something I, I think is a really good thing. However, not everyone was upset about Barbara Bush dying this week. There was a professor from Fresno State, California State University of Fresno, sorry. A creative writing professor had some interesting comments to say about Barbara Bush. And she went on Twitter to share them because that's what we do now. Barbara Bush was a generous and smart and amazing racist who, along with her husband, raised a war criminal. In another tweet, she said, I'm happy the witch is dead. Can't wait for the rest of the, her family to fall to their demise the way 1.5 million Iraqis have. Bye! She then did something absolutely disgusting, vile, reprehensible, where people started to respond to her. And then she said, you know what would be really fun? I'll pretend I'm going to give them my phone number. And what she was actually giving them was a suicide hotline. However, she wasn't done. She was mocking. She then continued to mock mock people. And she said that um, when people were responding to her, she did the typical liberal thing of, you know, I'm going to attack people and say vile things, but then I'm going to become a victim. And one of her tweets was, look at the race is going crazy right now in my mentions. Um, she also then said people should be fired and people are calling for her to be fired. And then she said, she responded by going, LOL, let me help you. You should tag my pres- president, Joseph L. Castro. What I love about being an American professor is my right to free speech. And what I love about Fresno State is that I always feel protected and at home here. Go Bulldogs. So a lot of people are saying this woman should be fired. It's not right. It's inappropriate. Let me respond. Are her comments vile? Mm-hmm. Are her comments sick? Mm-hmm. Are her comments wrong? Sure. You can use any adjective under the sun of how bad these comments are. It's true. It lacks taste. It lacks dignity. It lacks humility. Should she be fired? Well, first off, I'm always very uncomfortable when people ask me, you know, share examples and go, should people be fired? Because I don't have an opinion on it. My, sorry, I do have an opinion on it. My opinion counts for squat. The people who are sharing their opinions either that she shouldn't be fired or that she should be fired, their opinions count for squat too. Fresno State, California State University, sorry, I keep getting that wrong. California State University, well, I'm sure it gets some type of public funding, has a board of management or a board of trustees or a board of something. It's up for the board to decide whether she should be fired or not. It's their decision. They hold her employment, not me. They pay her employment, her wages, not us. So that is solely up for them. However, should she be boycotted and should people say she should be fired? I don't think so. People have a right to free speech. You know, if you are for principles and you're really for principles, you're going to be uncomfortable. 
Because there are people who could easily say, well, you're just for this hate speech. I'm not for it. I find it disgusting. I find it vile. I find it wrong. I just don't want people to be fired for their opinion. And the reason I am so strong on this issue is because of my environment. What you can say about her speech is it's hate speech, it's hateful, and it's bad tone. Where I come from, saying about talking about freedom, talking about America, isn't exactly love speech. And it isn't exactly in good, bad form. It's not popular what I say. This world has been filled with times where speech has been deemed hateful that wasn't hateful at all. Let me give you an example. There was a time in this world, in this crazy world that we inhabit, that the powerful would throw people in jail and punish them and take their possessions and maybe even kill them. If you had the audacity to say one thing, you know, I don't think this world is flat. (gasps) John, you're a hater. How dare you say that? That was our world at one point. That was deemed hate speech. When you were for free speech, if I go around saying everything you like, if you think every opinion you like and I say everything you think is is acceptable, there's no need to protect that because you're like, that's obvious. It's the speech that you find most vile, most reprehensible that you're sitting there kind of going, I really don't like that, but do they have a right to say it? Absolutely. However, to those who need blood who, you know, need vengeance, need, you know, justice to be performed. Let me allow the free market. Let me give you a thought on the free market that might just help you. I believe in the free market. If you're a long-term listener, you know I've done segments on this. The free market is a wonderful thing. If the free market is given the opportunity, it usually solves a good chunk of these problems through supply and demand. If I had a kid... And if I had a kid, could I could afford to send to college. And if I had a kid, I could afford to send to college in America. I might consider California State University at Fresno. I might enroll my kid there. But I would not let that kid take her class. And I would tell them exactly why. I would tell my the, the school that I don't want my kid taking her class. Because if that's what she's sharing online for the world to see what is she sharing in her classroom my child's soul my soul's child's brain my child's heart is critically important to me i want it to be kept in a pure clean state as long as possible i don't want her haze infiltrating it supply and demand if enough people say that then the university will have to pay her to do nothing or they'll have to move on Supply and demand fixes a lot of these issues. Second story I want to share with you about. Again, if you've been a long-term listener, you know my feelings on Tommy Lahren, my ex-Blaze colleague, now Fox News contributor. In case you don't know my opinion, I'm not a fan. In fact, she's one of the few people, if not only the person I've done a full show on, responding to some of her horrific comments one time on The View. I have zero in common with Tommy. Policies, principles, zero. I don't like her presentation style, 
the same way I don't like a lot of people's presentation style who is filled with insults. Who they use insults to paper over their cracks. That being said, she's now giving a speech apparently in Glenside, Pennsylvania on May 17th at the Keswick Theatre. And a lot of people are not happy about this. There's a big poster I came across on social media. Glenside says no to Tommy Laren. On May 17, 2018, the Keswick Theatre will be hosting alt-right provocateur Tommy Laren. Please contact the Keswick Theatre today to remind them hate has no home here and that Glenside is not interested in hosting Tommy, her supporters, or her opponents who follow. They're now they're calling for a peaceful demonstration at 5pm that day. Again, I'm not a fan of Tommy Laren. But this silencing of people, this this putting pressure on companies not to hire, not to allow people, you know, talk. I think it's stupid. Yes, I think it's stupid. I think it's wrong. And I think it's idiotic. You don't want to silence people like Tommy. You don't want to silence people. And if, and if you think of the person, and I don't know who, but think of the Tommy of the left. I'd say the same for her. Bill Maher. Bill Maher can be sometimes funny. He's he's right on a couple of issues on free speech. He's right on on things like Islam. He's right, but a lot of the stuff I don't like his presentation style because he's but he's a comedian, so he kind of hides behind that type thing. Hey, I'm a comedian. I got to make people laugh, as so many people do. But think pink of the Tommy of the left. We don't want to silence these people. In fact, we want to help them get audiences so that people can see who they really are. And then let us meet them on the battleground of ideas. And respond to everything. If you are really dislike Tommy and you're passionate about it on either side. And you don't like Tommy. Take everything she says. Take her speech. Dissect it. And respond part by part. Tommy says this. Boom, boom, boom. Hey, this is why she's wrong. And this is, why you, this is our, my opinion on the right. And let people decide. Share the case. But when you silence people. When you say, you can't have her, someone will. And the more we keep putting people off to off-cast the society, they become cult members. Or they become, they have a little band of, of they, they have to meet in smaller places. I'm not presenting this the best way, I apologize. Not that, they're, not that Tommy's going to be a cult, but you know, if you keep saying you can't be in mainstream, and you keep saying they can't go to these theaters, they will meet somewhere. And it becomes harder for their views to be responded to. If you really have major issues with Tommy, you don't want her silenced. Or you sure you shouldn't. Because she's not going to shut up. She'll just go off into a different place, into a different place, into a different place. And if you silence her, you will never get to hear what she says. And then you will not get to respond. And then a movement starts without you even knowing. And it's the same on the left. When progressives... I think it was last week when I showed you about Michelle Obama saying that they see you as, uh, they see government as your parents. I welcome that. I wish people would be more honest. Even the most vile things, because then you can respond to it. I don't want to silence people. I want people to tell, reveal them who they really are. And if they are right, we can then say, this is right, this is a correct principle. Or if it's wrong, we can say, this is why it's wrong, and this is the actual solution. When you seek to silence people, you're saying certain things. One, I think you're violating one of the tenets we discussed at the start of the show in the Declaration of Independence, that all people are created equal. 
If you truly believe all men are created equal, then one man does not have a right to silence another. Secondly, we're not having conversations anymore. Now, I know people will go, well, well, John, you know, are you telling me that the, the racists should be allowed to speak? Yeah. And here's why. Again, let me go back to the free market, the way I see the world. Let's take the shop owner. Let's just use an example. So should, should, a, should a bakery not be able to sell a, you know, a, a cookie to, her, to, a, to a black person? Now take the, or take the most egregious one you can find. Maybe that's not it. In the free market, if you follow my way, that person will either change his views or go out of business. In your way, they get to keep their business. They just be silenced. Let me explain how that works. In the free market, if a racist is allowed to be a racist, if I see my local bakery is actually a racist and it doesn't like people or doesn't like gay people or thinks gay people should be thrown off buildings, guess what? I'm not shopping there. I don't care how inconvenient it is that I have to go to another bakery or how much extra I have to pay. I am not helping the racist baker get rich. I'm just not. And I bet you a lot of people would feel the same way and would act accordingly. They will go out of their way to go anywhere else but that bakery. And then that bakery is forced to do one of two things. Either it says, hey, I'm wrong about my views. Maybe I need to change and issue an apology and go through the the process to try and get people back into his store. Or he goes out of business. When you silence people, I could be giving money to a racist, I could be giving money to an anti-Semite, I could be giving money to a, the biggest hater, vile person in the world. I might, I'll never know, because you've silenced them. You've put them into the far corners of society that none of us really know who they are. I want the veil to come off. I want to see people for who they really are, and then judge them by their actual fruits. Not judge them by, well, they're silenced and they won't say anything fruits I don't like defending Tommy and I don't sure as hell don't like defending this professor but when you are for truly for principles you will find yourself defending people and defending things that you find morally reprehensible and it's easy for people to go oh there's John defending another liberal no I'm not defending another liberal I find her comments vile I find her comments distasteful but I want her to have the opportunity to say them and then for us to react accordingly. Not to call for a boycott, not to call for her to be suspended or fired, but for the free market to actually take effect. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom's Disciple, on demand, on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. So I have a question for you. How disappointed are you that you turned in today's show and you didn't hear about James Comey? You didn't hear about the royal wedding? You didn't hear about all the other stuff that's going on in this crazy world? You know, at times, 
all the outrage in your country is 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 really hard to understand and the stuff that takes attention and takes precedent is unbelievable and i want to share one of those stories with you because sometimes i love you all right you know i really do but sometimes y'all do stuff that just makes desires person just go what are you thinking and sometimes it, it it's combined with what are you thinking and oh my god you're disrespecting someone i love so much so spoiler alert in case you're a new listener i have some might say rational um or a bit ott i'll just call it what it is i am george washington's biggest fanboy i make no bones about about that the greatest man who ever lived with the exception of jesus greatest man ever in my eyes right i get some people don't share that view or some people think my love goes too far i totally get that and that's that's your problem not mine my love doesn't go far enough for george washington he's my hero my biggest hero so i want to talk to you about george washington university because (sighs) easter happened y'all celebrated easter or passover or didn't celebrate anything well four days after easter they decided to hold a workshop in good old george washington university and this workshop was an event to combat christian privilege um basically that apparently christians receive unmerited perks from institutions and systems all across our country the april 5th diversity workshop is titled christian privileges but our founding fathers were all christian right actually they weren't but you know that's just facts let's be factually accurate here the christian privilege workshop is one of 15 free training opportunities offered throughout the center to equip students and staff with the necessary skills to promote diversity and inclusion in the different environments the professor is a professor called um, Timothy Kane and he also hosts different workshops you might see a team in this he also hosts the heterosexual privilege the cisgender privilege the able-bodied privilege the socio-economic privilege workshops White privilege is a specific focus in each of these training sessions, according to the Multicultural Center's website. So let's address this. This is the problem I have with the statist, progressive, utopian mindset. Let's just say for, for one second, right? Let's just say for, let's just play alternative universe, right? Let's say everything they say about all these privileges about christian privilege about white privilege about male privilege about cisgender privilege all these different things right let's say they're 100 percent true they do not have a lie and they can back up every statement that they factually have the problem i have with this thinking is it's so human and what i mean by it's so human is that it's human nature to tear others down the great thing about the founding principles of America was if you read the Declaration of Independence, which you went through earlier on, and you read the founding documents, you understand that it was all people. It wasn't Christians have these rights and atheists have these rights and blacks have these rights and whites have these rights. They're for everyone. When you have these privileges talks on, 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 on universities, they're basically saying you get certain perks 
that other people don't. And we got to tear you down. You got to check your privilege, boy. You got to check your privilege, Christian. You got to check your privilege, white man. You got to check it. You got to leave it behind you. It's always the mentality is pulling someone else down. In some ways, that is the socialist mentality in a lot of ways, actually. It's pull other people down to pull other people up. If you actually truly believe in all these privileges that we have, let's work to get other people those privileges. Let's work to have a unique platform where everyone has the same rights. I don't know. It's it's maybe let's follow uh, you know some reverend who said this in the sixties. I can't remember his name. He he wasn't big and he didn't do anything worthwhile or didn't live a life worthwhile. But you know he said something along the lines of, "How about we judge the man by the content of his character?" You know, I know you've never heard that line before. It's never been uttered. It's it's by a, just a, a little known pastor I I heard of and I read about one time. How about we do that? How about we simply judge people on their character? And if you're white, you're white. If you're black, you're black. If you're Asian, you're Asian. If you're the color of the rainbow, you're the color of the rainbow. But that you all of those four people and everyone else has a certain set of rights. And how about we say they come from your creator? So if you believe God created you, and let me be very specific, if you're a Christian or a Jew, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If you believe in Islam and you believe Muhammad and Allah um, created you, okay. That's your God. How about if you're an atheist? Well, then you think that you're, you were formed by the, the two bits of atoms coming together and exploding millions upon millions of years ago, and here we are. And you think those atoms are, are your creator? Then good for you. That's where they come from. If you're a deist and you think of some, you know, being, but it's not God that, you know, like in a Christian God or a Jewish God or in an, you know, Islamic God, it's just a being, it's just this force of nature. Well, then that's where your rights came from. It doesn't matter. We, it's not a case of, well, you have to think they came from my God. They can come from nature. That's why your founders were so special. Nature's law and nature's God. It can be different. But the outcome is still the same. That's my first problem with all these privileges. Second thing. Christian privilege. You know, in some ways, it's time to actually admit that Christian privileges do exist. In fact, if you truly follow the Bible, you understand that Christians are the most privileged people in the world. You are privileged, if you're a Christian, like I am, that you had someone, God humbled himself so much, he sent his only son. And his son walked among us mere mortals, us sinners. And he gave us examples. He shared us parables. He showed us by example of how we should aspire to live. And then he died and was crucified for our sins. We have that privilege no one else has. We are privileged. We are some of the most privileged people on earth because of Jesus Christ. Here's the great thing, though. You can be privileged, too. Anyone can have it. All you have to do is is pick up a Bible, start reading, and if you believe it, 
start praying and, and, and follow that lifestyle. It's not a, there's no litmus test to be a Christian. Well, there is actually, there's a litmus test in heaven, but it's by uh, God. But there's no human litmus test of, well, you know, oh, you're black and you want to be Christian? Mm, I don't think so. There's no litmus test that says, oh, 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 you're, you're, you're transgendered, you can't be a Christian. Christianity can be everyone. Anyone can be a Christian and have Christian privilege. Third point I want to make about this. Can we stop tearing people down? Because this idea of devising, dividing everyone by the, every little aspect of their life. And I see this on all sides. And it is so tragic what's happening. It's what leads to articles that we discussed in segment one. You know, I don't know how you identify as a person. You know, what your priorities are. Where you know, what do, what do you think great you know, enjoyment out of being a man or a woman or gay or straight or white or black. You know, I, I the amount of thinking that goes into stuff I've never thought about, I find just I just, I find it interesting to to read about. So let me let me give you examples just so you know what I'm talking about. I know I'm a man, right? I, I it's obvious I'm a man because I'm not I, one of the things I do. You know, don't get grossed out, but it's, I I pee standing up. We can do certain things y'all can't if you're a woman, right? I have certain things you don't, and you have cer- I you have certain things I don't. I don't think about well, I'm a man. How you know? How do I act? And and, and you know, have I got certain things that you don't? Likewise, I'm white, but even I'm not really white. If you look at me, I'm more cream, or I don't know what color I am. And my my skin is different colors in different places. But I don't see myself as white. This identity of, am I white? Yeah, I have to take that on a census form. Am I a male? Yeah, I have to take that. But I don't look at the world kind of going, well, what have I got and what have I not got because I'm a man or because I'm white? Now, I know the response to, you know, the left response. Well, you see, the only reason you don't think about it, John, is because you've never had to. You've never been disadvantaged. Uh Uh-huh. I'll get to that in one second. On your country, you're divided on so many different ways. And you're divided on politics. The amount of times I see people, and I'm just going to focus in on the right, where they say liberalism is a mental disease. You have to be crazy to want to be a liberal. You want to be stupid. You just don't get logic if you're a liberal. Look, people see things different ways, and that's okay. I celebrate it. I celebrate liberalism. I celebrate it because you can respond to them. You can take their ideas, like we did in the last segment, of what them horrific comments are, and you can respond to it. If we didn't have that, we wouldn't have any discussions. We wouldn't advance. We wouldn't advance because there's nothing to can drive us to be better, to aspire to be better. Your country is going through major changes right now. And I think one of them you need to ask yourself is, do you want to be an American? And what does it like to be an American? Because the America I know, the idea of your founding fathers was all of this stuff 
while you can identify and you can have priorities in your life, it means nothing in an America. Because the reason it means nothing is because it's irrelevant. Because rights come from your creator. And everyone has these rights. It doesn't matter whether you're gay or straight. It doesn't matter whether you're white or black. And if we start having conversations and actually start promoting these values and calling out politicians like idiot Joe Biden this week. Idiot Joe Biden this week. And you know I don't do insults, but this guy's a moron. Going on... Al Sharpton show going, well, you know, that's the Republicans for you. They want to stop you voting. And if you're black, they don't want you voting. And if you're middle class, they don't want you voting. And if we can call this out on all sides and say, that's baloney. That is baloney and it's wrong and it's irresponsible. But calling out our own side as well when they say bad things. If we can come together and start talking about principles. Sorry, I can't include myself. I need to stop saying if we can come together. If y'all can come together and start focusing on e pluribus unum, that you're an American, that yeah, you may disagree. You may see politics very different. But let's start focusing on principles that we can unite on. Even if they're most common ground, be nice to each other. Let's just start small. Be nice to each other. Even if you have nothing in common, be nice to each other. But going back to one last point on this. But going back to one last point I want to make. Because everyone, this is so popular in thinking today. We don't judge an individual by themselves, by their characteristics. We love to judge by the collective. So let's just take some examples of this. Christians. Oh, well, you have Christian privilege. Mm-hmm. I do. I just explained why I do. But there are Christians around the world been persecuted, especially in the Middle East. There are Christians been targeted by different groups. There are Christians been displaced by terrorism. Do you want to walk up to some of them and say they have Christian privilege? Oh, because, you know, some of them, you know, just because I know you all care about, you know, different aspects of your life. Some of them aren't white. You know, some of those Christians, they're not white. Do you want to walk up to them and go, hey, you have Christian privilege, pal? Do some Christians have privilege? Yes. Do some Christians live sucky lives? Yes. It's the same for every subsect of society. People would say to me, you know, well, you, you don't think about your whiteness or you don't think about your maleness because you have a better than other people naturally in society. Oh, do I? I'm the example of how that is the biggest crock that's out there. I haven't had a full-time job in seven years. Do you want to tell me about Christian privilege? Please do, because for someone who hasn't had a full-time job in seven years, I would love to hear about how privileged I am. I'd love to hear about my white privilege. I'd love to hear about my male privilege. Or any other privilege you think I have. I have so little money. I never go out. The only time I ever leave my house. Is to when I have some work. To go grocery shopping. Or go to the gym every day. I don't go to the cinema. Can't afford it. Don't go out drinking. With friends. For many reasons. But I can't afford it. Do you want to, so tell me exactly again how I have Christian white male privilege. 
Things are so bad for economically for me over here right now. I don't know if I'll ever have a full... I can't actually... Can't see myself and ever in a full-time job again. For many different reasons. And we can discuss them maybe another day. But please tell me how that hope... that I don't have the hope that I have Christian white privilege. But you might say, well, John, that's just because you're European. If you were living over here, it would be different. You'd be an American. Okay. Well, that's ironic you'd say that because I actually want to move over there, but I can't. So again, explain to me if, if you know, if I have all these privileges that America loves, it loves, you know, if you're Christian and you're white and you're male, you have all these privileges. Surely your country would have welcomed me with open arms, right? Nope. Not at all. And But however, if I went there legally, if I went, you know what, screw America, screw immigration laws, screw Donald Trump, I'm going to go over there because I'm entitled to be an American. If I went over there thinking, you know what, I want my piece of the American pie, but also I want some money from your government, even though I've never lived there and paid taxes, you'd all be defending me on the left. You might say, well, if it was me and you found out who I am, you might not defend me. You actually, you know, if I actually went to legal... Actually, hey, here's a crazy idea. Maybe I go illegal and maybe Democrat and become public figure, and maybe Democrats change their mind on on deportation. Because I guarantee you, if I was in the public eye, going, yeah, we need amnesty, and we need more conservative government, they'd actually be going, deport him right now, deport him. He near, he can never come back. <laughs> they actually might change their opinion. I actually, you know, can you imagine Chuck Schumer finding out I was an amnesty person? That would be hilarious. I would, I'm not doing it, by the way. I would never break your law. I have too much respect for your country. But that's the thing. The idea that this privilege exists. There is one privilege I do want to talk to you about before I finish up. And that is the American privilege. When you are born in America, you're born with a privilege of winning the lottery. You've been born in a country that has been blessed a country that has more opportunities for everyone than a lot of other countries combined. You know, you have been blessed in so many ways that, you know, a thing like a famine that has been popular in a lot of countries, even Ireland had a famine once. America's never had one. You've been blessed in so many ways and been able to change the world in so many ways. That there is a thing called an American privilege. And it is an American privilege. It's not a white or a black. Now American history is filled with good things and bad things. Have we overcome some of the hatreds from the past? No. They're still there. And as long as time exists, I don't know what it'll be, whether it'll be racism or sexism. But let me assure you of this. I can guarantee you this. That while the name might change and the hate may change, there will always be those in society which will deem others not worthy. It happens time and time again. And I see no empirical evidence that suggests that at one point, if we can just act a certain way, all that hatred will go away. We will always seek to destroy someone in society. They're not worthy. They're not up to our standards or they have too much. What we can do is focus on opportunity. We can focus on your declaration of independence, pursuit of happiness. 
to ensure every person, regardless of their age, wealth, background, sexuality, gender, race, creed, religion, anything, has that right to pursue their happiness. And we have the responsibility that when people stand up in society that are filled with hate to tear other people down, we say no. And I don't care whether that hate comes from the left, the right, the top or the bottom, that we have a responsibility as society to stand up and say no. You are wrong. They have the right to pursue their happiness. I hope, I don't know how what the future holds for any of us. Our world is changing. But I really hope Americans reunite their American privilege and understand the, found, found, the path the founders put you on. Where you speak about rights for all and not rights for certain groups. If you want to unite, I believe this more than I've ever believed it before, but if you want to unite... And we want to solve the world's problems and America's problems. We do it by principles. Because people are not happy with the way the world is right now. And they're starting to question it. And the questioning is going to continue. And it's ever who wins this debate will determine a large chunk of how the future of the world is going to go. And if we focus in on politics, we all lose. If we focus in on a left-right divide, we all lose. I believe if we focus in on nature's law and nature's God, we all win. It's not left or right, it's we all win, regardless of your ideology. If we can focus in on certain things of we're all created equal, and that you all have certain rights, and then rights come from your creator, not from your government. And these are not right-wing principles. It's not right or left principles. These are eternal principles. They are the principles of nature. They are, in some way, the principles of science. The principles of religion. It's up to you what you decide to focus on. But as long as I am able to, I will be promoting and begging you to promote the values of principles. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray. Are you ready for a gross factoid? Apparently, the average cutting board has... 200 times more fecal bacteria than a toilet seat. Who printed this? How is that possible? This is gross. How could it have yeah. fecal material on well, because it? Some of the, Are because people pooping on your cutting board? No, no, no. no, no but no. they're pooping in the vegetables you're cutting on it. You know, that's about as much fecal matter talk on this show as I uh, probably want in a lifetime. Pat Gray. Weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom's Disciple On Demand On the Blaze Radio Network Thank you so much for sticking with me, America As always, this show is available on all major platforms SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, OmniFM It's uh, released at 12 noon every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern 
um, please subscribe or share it with a family and a friend. We've got exciting shows coming up. I want to finish today's show by sharing a quick update on, on a story we've been following very closely and also finish up with a question I got asked in a conversation privately this week and I think the answer might, might in, you might enjoy the answer. So an update. We've been following the last couple of weeks the story of young baby Alfie Evans in Liverpool. This story has changed me. I have changed more in this week than I have changed in the last 10 years, maybe. It's it's hard not to think about this story for many reasons. One, because of the situation this family finds themselves in. But secondly, because as I've been doing some research, and I can't share anything right now because the family don't want this getting out quite yet. But trust me when I say... This story is huge. This story will shock you if it ever gets out. I'm going to do all I can to make sure it does. But ultimately, the decision lies with the family, and the family right now have more pressing things, and that's getting young baby Alfie out of the hospital. But this story is really troubling, really sad. And I'm not saying this as a provocateur or something. I've seen... A good chunk of evidence. I don't. I respect you, and I appreciate your time. And I don't just come to you and say these things without researching them. But this week has been really tough. I've been really struggling to even focus on anything else but this story. I'll have updates going forward. I can't share what those updates are, but for security reasons and for plenty of other reasons, but I should have more to tell you next week on next week's show. All I would ask you to do is if you can pray for a young baby Alfie. It's a horrific situation he's in. But also to share the story with as many people as you can. They need to get this story out. They need to get this baby out of this hospital. And I want to thank my boss, Glenn Beck, for sharing this story this week it was awesome to hear him talk about it he has a major platform and i'm forever grateful for him sharing it on to the finishing up with one question so i i'm learning different lessons in life and i'm sharing them with you because you may enjoy them or you may appreciate them or it gives you something to think about if you follow my social media feeds over the last couple of months, you may have seen several pictures of me and several updates of me of I'm back in the gym training and I'm back lifting heavy weights. I'm lifting a lot of weights. And I have some people who I engage with, they follow my progress, but they're training as well and we, we try and encourage each other. And someone asked me a question this week. I think it's important to address. I train six days a week for between... Anywhere from 90 minutes to four hours training. It's tough. I'm going to be honest with you, my body hurts like hell at times. My body's tired, it's sore, and because I'm lifting weights, if you ever lift heavy weights, you know how sore it is. And someone asked me a question. How can you keep going? How do you stay motivated? How do you, you know, how do you keep going? How do you, how do you keep pursuing it? You know, especially with goals, like for me, who has a lot of weight to lose, it's, it's a long goal. And one lesson I've learned is 
actually I've learned two lessons I want to share with you. One is it's amazing how much your brain can go against you. And two, sometimes just showing up is all it takes. First lesson. It's amazing today, you know, I, I usually train at night or during in the afternoon, depending on my schedule. It's amazing how many times you're absolutely fine. You're think, you, you don't think, feel your body. You're just sitting there. You're doing your work or whatever you're doing. You're sitting at your desk. And then all of a sudden it gets to, man, I need to go to the gym. And all of a sudden your body just goes, oh, my arm is sore and I'm tired and oh, I don't feel like it and I'm not able and, and I just don't want to. And your brain plays all these tricks on you. You, don't ha- you didn't have these emotions all day long. But the minute you know it's time to go to the gym, your brain kicks in with all these excuses. Your brain is the most important part of your body in some ways. Because it can either be your biggest friend or it can be your biggest enemy. In many cases, which is a side, totally different case, the story to share, but in many cases, my brain is my worst enemy. I'm defeated before I even start. And I don't want to focus in on that. But your brain can can destroy you if you let it. And you need to work in your brain to get you to be motivated, to get you to, to make it a positive in your life, to make it believe that you actually can change the world, not just accept what everyone else says to you. But the second story is sometimes showing up does the job. Sometimes showing up is the biggest difference that you can have. In my training and when I go to the gym, I very there are days when I'm just feeling great or I'm just in a good mood. There are days I walk into that gym and I'm loving it. They're the easy days. Everyone has those type of days. You know those days when you're just really looking forward to training or or to certain, you know, I'll tell you my story. I love training my arms. I love I want to get my big I used to have very big arms and I want to get them back. I love having big biceps and triceps. It's it's just one of my goals. When it's arm day in the gym, I usually run into the gym. Well, run is a bit of a stretch because I don't run, but you know, walk briskly into the gym. I walk in with a smile going, hey, it's arm day. I'm looking forward to it. I get to pump my arms and I get to have that pump of the blood in my biceps and my biceps all get big and hard. And I love it. And I love the way, just the way the weights, the training I do on my arms. I love it. Another day I like training is chest day. I love bench pressing. Because it's usually one of the days I lift extremely heavy weights and I share updates. If I bench press, you know, 100 and, what is it, 100 ki- 110 kilo, bench press about 240, 250 pounds, 260 pounds. I, you know, it's a great sense of achievement to say, hey, I bench that. Sometimes I deadlift on chest days, which is working at my core. I lift over 300 pounds when I deadlift. It's a great achievement to say, hey, you know, I may be out of shape, and yes, I have a lot of weight to lose, but I can lift tr- over 300 pounds, and I can lift it and hold it for 18, 20 seconds. It's a great sense of achievement, and I get to share some pictures with you all as well. Those days, everyone has those days. It's awesome. You're just in a good mood. It's easy to work. There's days, however, and I feel like today might be one of them, I'm just like, oh, I just, I'm so tired, my legs are sore, it's been a really long week, I'm tired mentally, I'm tired emotionally, I'm tired physically. It's those days that make the difference in your life, it's those days that make the difference in your training, it's those days that make the difference in your job, it's those days that make the difference in your dream, because showing up counts, 
Because while you could be sitting on the sofa going, I'm tired, I'm sore, I'm not able, I'm not, I'm not focused today. If you have that goal and you just get to the gym, there have been times where I walk into that gym going, I'm so tired and I'm not able, and they turn out to be the best workouts going. Because you showed up, and you see other people working out, and it's like, come on, let's go. Let's get on that cross trainer. Let's do our 5Ks. Let's get our weight session done. Let's get our bike done. Let's get our crunches done. It is those days. Just showing up matters. Now, I'm sharing this about gym life. I'm sharing this because it's apt. If you're trying to do a goal and lose weight or gain muscle or trying to lift heavier weights, showing up counts. But it's also apt for your life. There are days whenever you work and whatever your hobbies are, whatever you're passionate about, there are days that you're just going to love it. You're just going to go have a big skip in yourself. You're just going to go, I want to do this. Those days are easy. Everyone has them. Regardless of how unmotivated they are, everyone has those good days. However, what separates the grace from the good and the good from the average and the average from the bad is how many days you turn up when you don't feel it. When you're tired, when you didn't sleep well, how many days do you turn up and still go, you know what, I feel like crap, I'm not in the mood, I'm pissed off, or I'm sick, and you're still there, you're still pursuing your dreams, you're still chasing that goal, you're still working out, you're still training. That is the difference between great and good and good and average and average and bad. Showing up counts. And thank you for showing up today, or whenever you've listened to this show, and for all your support. It's just something to think about. Showing up matters. And also understand that your brain, if you're not focused on your brain and looking at and being honest about how your brain deals with you, your brain can be your biggest supporter or your biggest enemy. If you don't understand that, it's something you need to consider and also look at changing. Because if you can change your brain to be that bit more positive or that little bit less negative if it's, if it's your enemy, it, you don't just turn from zero to 60. It's all about baby steps, little victories. That's the way it is in life. That's the way it is in training. That's the way it is in work. Little changes and little victories make the difference because they all add up to one big victory. Just something I want to share with you this week. I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope today's show has given you something to think about. I hope it's given you something to chew on. And as always, engage me on social media. If you think I'm wrong about certain topics, please, by all means, let me know. I'm on Freedom Disciple on Twitter, at Jonathan Dunn58 on Facebook. Get in touch on my website, Freedom's Disciple. As always, we finish today's show the way we finish it every week. By saluting the real heroes in society, your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, and your vets. The men and women, regardless of their Christian privilege, regardless of their white privilege, regardless of their male privilege, because they're everywhere. They're Christians, Jewish, atheists, deists, black, white, gay, straight. Doesn't matter. They are heroes. They turn up 24-7 to fight for a better tomorrow and save lives. And this week, we also salute that wonderful female captain of the United Jets. What passion you had and what calmness and coolness you had under pressure. You, ma'am, are a hero, and we salute you as well this week. And lastly, I salute you, the great American people. Never, ever forget, America is great because Americans are good. America is great because Americans are good.
Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, have a beautiful and blessed week. God bless America. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network.